and welcome to the episode 20. Episode 20! 20! 20! Man. Of, of the Pub Meeple Podcast. Two I'm decades. 20? <laughs> I'm, I'm just Brian. I think I'm proper Brian. You are still. Check. I think it's my name. <laughs> We're very confused. This is should, very confusing. Should we episode. switch y'all's names? And like 21, we'll just start referring to you <laughs> as proper Brian. That's no. Yeah, no. No, I'll no. be Gary. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we'll do this. So, uh, yeah, so welcome to this episode. Uh, we're going to talk about some what makes a classic game. Ross, we're going to start a, uh, a kind of new little feature, a little bit of a game, a little game show, a little game. A game within a game podcast. Game within a game, game within a game within a game or something like that. And Proper Brian, you have something you want to announce to us or talk to us about. Sure. I just wanted to give a brief update on the ranking engine and kind of where we are with that. So uh, I think the last time we recorded, uh, we said that version two is coming out soon. And it released right at the beginning of July. So if you're listening to this now, it's it's live. Um, it's already had uh, multiple bug fix versions come out because we've had some really good response from uh, users uh, who have you know r- reported things that weren't working right or and so uh, I feel like right now it is at a point that it's working really smooth and I'm in the process of working on the next big feature update which is going to uh, bring some really fun things like uh, uh, group ranking like you'll be able to share lists with other people to rank and some other things we'll see what else makes it into that release but that uh, I'm I'm excited about it. If you haven't tried it yet, head on over. It's it's at uh, rankingengine.pubmeeple.com. Man, you showed us. You gave us a little preview of some of the upcoming features. Today. Oh, I know. And like, I it's, was just. It's cool to know the guy like behind the curtain, yeah, right? Was, yeah, totally. And I was thinking about how excited and cool I thought the first version of this was, and like way back then, what two years ago, a year and a half, two years ago, what I have imagined that you would be doing implementing these things. No way. So if you like the BGRE, it's going to get even better. If you oh, haven't been be using fantastic. the BGRE, we're going to give you some more reasons to try out the BGRE. Some of these features are going to be pretty awesome. Just stay tuned. Uh, we're going to announce it here. We'll announce it on our website, social media. But, um, yeah, definitely uh, some some cool things coming. And, and with that, I guess let's go ahead and jump on into the episode. Here we go. All right, guys, uh, brew talk. What are you guys drinking this brew episode? Brew talk. Well, proper Brian brought the 1554s, which I went ahead and jumped into. I brought other other goods, but I, I'm never a man to turn down the 54. This is New Belgium 1554. Tell us about, about your experience with this beer, proper so, Brian. So, um, when was that? A couple weeks ago, we had a game night, and I hadn't had one of these before. And I think, just Brian, you brought... Some of these, I or that did. did I? I think it was you. And uh, cool, man. I'm, I'm so cool. It's, it's uh, it, it immediately was up in my favorites, so I had to bring some tonight. And it's the New Belgium, 1554. It's it's something like a Scotch ale, but it's not quite a Scotch ale. It's got that sweetness to it, though, right? Yeah, it's it's technically a, a black quad. I think mm-hmm. it's what they're, not not quad black lager. I black lager, yeah. Um, there's another beer we've had that is a black quad, but. Uh, man, it's it's 
continuously one of my favorite beers. Yeah. I, I never turn it down. It's a mainstay. Yeah, it's a mainstay. Um, in if, fact, you've heard, if you've heard our podcast, we talk yeah, about it all the we'll time. probably rave about it too much. But it's, I'm no, surprised I hadn't tried it until just recently. But hey. I was ashamed I hadn't given you one. Better late than never. <laughs> yeah, we're terrible friends. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was already known. But <laughs> I've got a new Belgian beer as well. It's the uh, their triple. Just Brian has kind of gotten me onto a triple kick. Yep. I'd say the past six months, year. Triples are my favorite. Um, Let it man, be known. I, I really enjoy this one quite a bit. It's just kind of light and refreshing. Um, not too light, though. But, I mean, it's, it's flavorful, but mm-hmm. it's, it's very refreshing. Where we live, too the heavy. new Belgian lines are easy to get where we live. Yeah. I don't know where it is, if it's like that everywhere. But around here, we can get almost everything new Belgian at the grocery store. And they're triple. I would... I've only had like maybe one or two that I like better than that, and they're harder to get. Like that yeah. one's so easy to get. It's it's fantastic price point for a six pack. As we were talking earlier, I want to try the double again. It's been a while since I had it, and I, I just kind of want to see where yeah. where it ranks now. With not, you know, your tastes are always changing. They right? are. They are. Yeah. What do you uh, have? Yeah. So I have the best, most disappointing beer I've ever had. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what an intro! <laughs> it's so I was in the store. Um, I like Dogfish Head. Their IPAs, uh, I like them quite a bit. So I saw this uh, one called Midas Touch, and it had a lot of really cool descriptions. And it. it says it's got you know barley, honey, uh, white grapes, and saffron. And I thought that sounds pretty good. It was a four pack that was not necessarily cheap, and usually those are pretty good beers. It's okay. It's like a Really good shiner. Yeah, it's a ex- really good expensive shiner. I've been, shiner, I've been dragged yeah. into those really nice descriptions before, too, and and been disappointed. I think I think Dogfish Head just needs to stick to their IPAs because that's, that's what they're Well, I at. will say, I mean, they have a really great wheat beer, too. Uh, I, and I've been known to say if Dogfish Head makes it, it's the best of that, that category. But I've had the Midas Touch as well, and... It's kind of one of their fails in my book. I'm sure. And, I'm sure there's some. I'm sure there's some other out there that loves it. But. And, and this isn't a bad beer. I, I like it. It's just you know for the price, it's a little disappointing. Yeah. So I guess let's let's switch on to the games and uh, kind of what have we been playing lately? It's we we took July off. So kind of what uh what what games have you guys been playing lately? Yeah. Well, we actually played a fantastic game of Shogun. It was uh, me and Proper Brian and you, Gary. And I had forgotten how much I love that game. Uh, Shogun, it's with the Cube Tower. It's a Queen Games game. Mm-hmm. With the Cube Tower, it's an area control style game with cubes that you're pushing around Japan. And then you you know, you know throw them in this kind of Cube Tower-esque kind of thing. And then you get kind of random results pop out the bottom. Uh, but the, the, the meat of the game is somewhat of a... It looks like a programming game. I don't know if, if you'd really call it that, though. But it, it you feel like you're programming moves in a way. I feel like it is. I mean, you're program, programming out like where you want yeah. all these different actions to happen on the board. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. There is some risk. Like in the programming game, there's a risk that mm-hmm. the program doesn't happen in the order you want. So I would say it's yeah. that. Yeah, I guess, I guess for me a lot of times a, a programming game has this sense of, um, um, I don't know, on rails kind of feel to it. And this one doesn't really feel that way to me it feels like it is more strategy with just some unknowns you know i don't know if that makes sense that's i'm probably yeah, just kind it's, of it, it feels way less sense. random than uh like robo rally right or, yeah yeah or uh uh mechs and minions and stuff like that yeah. yeah it's a great area control game great dudes on a map game even though it's cube dudes 
Yeah. Uh, it's still great fun, and it was probably one of the most satisfying games I played in the last month. Um, yeah, it was I really, great. I really yeah. enjoyed enjoyed that one. I enjoyed our play as well. I felt like I had control in the game. I think sometimes in, in any game, your experience might have to do with how much control you feel like you had or didn't have. And I felt like regardless of how well you know anybody played, I felt like we the three of us were in control of our moves. We were being really competitive with one another mm-hmm. and holding no punches. It was really fun. Yeah. I, I could pinpoint the reason why I lost to a couple missteps in that first round, but they were my missteps. They weren't randomness. They weren't, you know, I wasn't the victim of anything that I didn't create, right? So when I when I look back and say, well, I ended that first that first year with less funding, well, there's a reason, you know, you did it to yourself. So I, I definitely yeah, we had control in that game. We had a really tight point spread at the end, though, and I feel like at the at the very very end, after we lost, we had like some kind of drought. We couldn't feed all of our our oh, territories. Man. We were getting revolts Peasants left and right at the very. Right. So we had yeah. like these in game revolts that were killing us all almost equally, and the point spread was so close at the end. I really felt like it could have gone any any way, and so at the and I was kind of talking to proper Brian about this. The in game metrics at that point mean less to me, for for that particular game meant less to me than the rest of the gameplay because it just felt like the three of us were just yep. p- pushing right, you know, right at an even spread. Yeah. Look at, really looking good. back at the, at, I was looking at my app that where I tracked the plays and it was, uh, it was decided by a point. Yeah. So I think you won by one point. Yeah. But I mean, some of that is kind of some randomness at the end and that's where the in-game metric doesn't matter so much. At that point, it, it, maybe it would have if there was a bigger disparity or going into that final kind of in-game revolt, there was a bigger disparity. But, I mean, when you're that close in points and it just kind of comes down to some some play, I felt like, I mean, it was just really fun. Yeah, it, it was, was really good. It was a fun game. All the levers you get to pull in that game, it feels like there's a lot of, like there's like the bidding for turn order. There's the planning for your turn. There's the... Uh, obviously the the map movement and building of buildings and the cube tower, there's all these different mechanisms that kind of come into play. So it feels really satisfying. Um, Like you said, kind of, I mean, obviously we're trying to win, right? But at the same time, like I'm enjoying the process of the game because of all the the stuff you're doing. But you shut. So I got to play officially my Kickstarter copy of Guardians Explorer. That's right. Like we finally, I don't know why it took so long to get that one to the table, but we did, and it was great, as about as good as I remember. Yeah, if you watch, a, if you watched our old YouTube channels back when we did reviews and previews, this is one of the ones we previewed. We previewed a Kickstarter copy, and then Shuck backed it, and um, and it's just been sitting. The backed copy has been sitting in a closet. What's funny about that Kickstarter copy is it got played a lot, um, mm-hmm. even not just with our group, but it kind of got taken around even in town, so we can kind of play test it and kind of get our thoughts on it, how we used to do. I, and uh, but but for your copy to then just kind of sit and collect dust, kind of all felt bad about that. But well, it, so it was interesting. We were talking about it, um, you know, in the in the world of miniatures and things on Kickstarter. Uh, this game actually has some nice little standees. It does where the standees are, are cut out to shape of the characters and has really nice artwork on them. And even though they're not, you know, really fancy 3D, you know, minis, they I, I kind of almost wish more games would do it. I think it would bring price down a little bit. And yeah. And they serve the game really well. And they're still nice. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree on the standees issue. And if it brings the price of the game down a few dollars, I'm totally cool with it. As long as it's good art on there and these excellent art, I mean, the art matches the cards, matches everything else. I mean, I, I don't see what's not to like about it. 
not every game has to have that plastic. Well, I mean, King of Tokyo does it too. I mean, it's it's good quality, good Mm -hmm. artwork. It's got the same cutout type of idea. I didn't realize how the cutout made the difference it Uh did because we played with that that same game before where it had those same characters and they were kind of on a rectangular card stock that or thick stock that you mm-hmm. put on the on the little stand but that cutout just makes a world of difference i don't know what it is about that it's, it's just such a simple thing but i was like wow i think my thought was and i think we said it out loud these look good you know yeah. and i was kind of surprised that i'm sitting here praising a standee you know so yeah like sean said it, it it served the game well. It did everything you know? It did everything we needed to for the game. And the game itself was fun. I mean, I, I still get. I'm not. I'm not very good at the game, but it doesn't mean I don't enjoy the game. Like I, I just, I struggled to to deck build. My deck got was too bloated, and I noticed like when yeah, you know, if you can you can cut your deck down, that one definitely to where you've got the engine you want, man. I mean, you guys were pulling off some amazing combos. Now towards the end, I did have a couple good turns. And that felt really, really satisfying. So a game um, I got to play, well, I guess first, um, I've instituted at my house just a, uh, I found it hard to like get games out with my kids just randomly because there's always stuff to do around the house. There's always, I always feel like I'm busy when I'm home. And so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to say this day at this time is game time. So Saturday nights is our game nights now. And, uh, and so I've been playing games more consistently with um, my kids, especially my two older ones. And we get uh, to play some Carcassonne and some Quirkle. Oh, nice! Um, both uh, they uh, the my twins are seven years old, and they they both did really well with both of them. Um, and so that's that's been fun. Uh, the other game I got to play um, is uh, XCOM, the board game. Um, I had a a couple guys come over and they brought that. It's a game I played a long time ago. It's one of those app-driven games. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's the best part of the game. Like because it's on it's on a timer. Okay. And so as like you have one person who's in charge of the app and it kind of de- like doles out like, the app will tell you it's now it's time for uh, y'all to do this. You know, and so uh, the person in charge of the app will say, "Okay, you it, it's time to do this action. You it's time to they kind of coordinate what's happening." around the board and uh, try to manage like um, you get a certain amount of money at the beginning of a round and you can only spend, if you spend more than that, you've gone over your budget. And so you have to kind of manage this all. It only gives you like, you know, a, like five to 10 seconds to do a, an action. So you're really moving fast. Um, and then you go to a, a resolution phase, which is really just a bunch of dice chunking. And uh, that's kind of where, I mean, it was, it was fun, but in the app part, and the management of that whole uh, timed part is the most fun part of that game. The 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 dice chunking is okay, and but and it so if you don't do well with your dice, you know it's a cooperative game, so you're all kind of you're gonna lose. <laughs> you know. Speaking of dice chunking, another one I've played quite a bit recently is uh, an older game called Fandubel. Um, it's a it's a neat little game where you're just trying to collect a bunch of coins based on uh, you're trying to not get dragons. You kind of want to get wizards and and knights to combat the dragons. It's it's full on push your luck. Um, but my son loves it. He's five, and he he just like adores that game. He wants to play it all the time. Uh, it's cool. And so I'm not gonna say no. So we play <laughs> it quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I need you to check this one out. You brought it over to our house and. Your son was teaching my kids to play it 
Oh, that, no, was, that, is that cool. was really fun. Yeah, so so that's fun. He's over there teach show my girls and my 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 son, which my boy's a little bit squirrelier. He's he's can't sit in one place for too long, and so that was a that was an interesting game night. But yeah, it was it was really fun <laughs> watching them kind of interact and your son teaching everybody how to play. So I think uh, the the top game that I've probably played lately. Uh, number one, I have two kind of compete for that spot, but. I've I played got a few plays of, or a couple plays of a pipeline in recently, and that's a game you might be hearing some more about from the pub. Um, man, I really liked the game. Rules wise, it's not that bad. I mean, the rule book's really good. There's not it's not that hard to teach the rules, but um, the complexity is in the decisions you get to make, and it, it's a little bit of an economic game. But it's it's more Euro than it is an economic game. However, it uh, man, I just it it just hits. It hits on, on a level that I just really enjoy, and it's a little bit brain-burning. And I was talking to one of our friends, Ned, after I'd played it with him. I played it with you guys the next day, but I played it with Ned at his house, and um, the other guy we played it with went home, and Ned and I probably talked for, about that game for an hour afterwards. And I think it's really a game that you need to play multiple times. You need to really – it's not a one-and-done. It's not kind of a cult of the new. You're going to play it and, and love it and then put it back on the shelf to really, really get into that game. Because when we played it, it was my third play. And I was only just then kind of starting to see, like, hmm. some things. And, and Oh, yeah, so, I, I did terrible. <laughs> I didn't eat <laughs> too good either. I, I, it's but, your first time you don't plan it. Like, I, yeah. I, I, I made some poor early decisions. But I tell you, when we were playing it, I kind of kept thinking to myself, like, like, this is, like, the next evolution from Viticulture kind of yeah. style game where you, you, take, a, you take a product, you you develop it, you, you know, you yeah. kind of refine it, you, and then you sell it for a higher price than you bought it for and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think it's like the next, or maybe the viticulture killer, you know, yeah, I, not, I would play yeah. over viticulture for sure. Yeah. yeah. For me, um, and what's, you know, I guess just for anyone who doesn't know about the game yet, um, you basically, you're like, um, oil moguls and you're, you're buying crude oil and refining it. Um, you have three different types of oil you can refine, and that's really not so much thematic. It's just so you have three different kind of uh, products you can, and you you have like a little special element where you're kind of putting together a little a puzzle. You're putting these little pieces together to form a pipeline, and each little length gives you um, essentially like pipeline points you can spend or um, oh, what's the word? refine? Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. you can you can refine uh, oil, and so. And then you're, you're trying to get contracts or one-time-off orders, and you're trying to fulfill those, but it's really tough. It's like a really tight game. So you're looking at all these things you want to do, and sometimes you get too many orders, you get things you can't really fulfill, and you get some negatives. And, I mean, it, it, it's all about – it's basically a really big efficiency engine, but it's not one that just kind of you can unfurl in that first play. And so what I think I've liked about it is it's a game that every time I put it up, I kind of look at that box like, okay, I want to get that out again real soon because I want to I want to continue to learn how to how to unfurl that game. And then the other one, that same day, which is really awesome, we played uh, Madeira, mm. and that was probably my favorite play of Madeira yet. And not just because I believe I won, I can't remember. I think I did, but no, I thought proper Brian. No, proper Brian. No, won. it was no, it was close. You won. Oh, you, was it? Okay, but it was you, you and I by by two points or something. You, like pu- that. you pulled it out. Yeah, like, right at the end. Uh, well, right re- at the end, <laughs> I I, I kind of I knew that was my only chance because you you did so well early on, uh, you know Madeira. There's there's so much to that game, and um, I had the advantage because I've played before and I saw 
proper Brian doing really well early on, but you when you take those King's orders or King's requests, you also have to plan for things you can do later. Yeah. Like I can't do it now, but I plan on doing it later. And that was really the only reason why I squeaked out the win because he actually played better to his his orders. But uh, man, what a what a meaty Euro that just melts your brain. I mean, it's the first time I played more than two player. Oh yeah, and it was, and we kind of we kind of had a bumble through the rules. It's been a while since I had yeah. played. Oh, the rules are and, a beast. And I had even read the rules ahead of time, and I felt like if I had played it like a day or two earlier, I would have been a little bit fresher yeah. on it. But I hadn't looked at them for a couple of days, and we don't play the game enough to keep that stuff fresh and that's the problem that's the problem we just need to play it more so that the next time we bring break it out like teaching it is so much smoother there was one point during when you and i were trying to teach the rules proper brian just looked at us and said i think we could just play now we'll stumble through it <laughs> and that's when we realized hey like this rules teach needs to, yeah. to be over and then yeah. we ended up i think you, would you say you enjoyed the game yeah i enjoyed it a lot um it's one of those that um it's kind of hard to get a feel on how you feel about it until the end of that first game. Yeah. Um, because it really, there. I mean, the, I don't know. It, it's hard. It's, it's a game that the mechanisms and the theme don't necessarily, Yeah. you don't see how they connect until the end. Yeah. At, at and, the end you can go back and go, that's why I did all that thematically. Right. But. Um, so that's why I, I feel like that's why it's also hard to teach is because there's no, uh, hooks to, Put those mechanisms on to make them easy to remember yeah but, um but yeah no i really enjoyed that that play of that game i want to play it again okay well, i'm glad to hear that because i i'm i'm trying to get that game back to the table now yeah that i am well. too and i am too there's this kickstarter that's supposed to happen we don't know when but i want to get the upgrade kit to the second edition or get the complete second edition if need be uh, i want to see what they throw out there what they add to the game and uh, if they, you know, I'm, I'm we're, <laughs> just Brian and I have have had many conversations. I over check the forums weekly for this thing, man. I've been yeah. doing it for months now. I feel like I'm going crazy. I was, but I, I was scouring like message boards the other day for like any, looking for any kind of hints. We're like those those alien like the, like Area 51 conspiracy theorists, yeah. like looking on all the forums for any hint. I, I heard there might be an announcement gonna, in two weeks. Oh my goodness! All right, well let's let's move on to something that I think will be kind of fun. Uh, Proper Brian has uh, has a little game for us, and we've we've done this once before, I believe. No, I don't think we have. Have we not? Oh, we have not done this. No, before. this will be the first. This time. will be a new well, game. It's I apologize. I'm I'm sorry. It's time for <laughs> name that game. <laughs> well, we agreed we were going to do this oh, together, guys. Oh, right. Yeah, 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 all right. So name that game. We all got a Name that game. All right. Let's jump into name that game. All right. So we're a uh, obviously a board game podcast, so we figured it'd be very fitting for us to play a game on here that we made up. Yeah. For some reason. A so game, uh, name the game. game. The object of name the game is uh, to guess a game based on a series of clues. So one of us will be a clue giver and the rest of us will be guessing. Uh, basically, it plays out over five rounds. Each round consists of one clue and then everybody gets one guess as to okay. what it is. So, All right. And then... Can we uh, phone a friend? No. no. <laughs> All your friends are at the table. That's right. That's true. <laughs> I have, oh, my I have no more friends. <laughs> oh. it's so, uh, and then we'll, uh, you know, give some points at the end for no big reason, just to have fun with it. Right? Well, and, and this is, uh, you said the points 
they from what I understand, there is a reason. Because they carry you over between episodes. Yeah, they're going <laughs> to so, carry you over. So, so this is important. Name that game season one. Yeah. We want to see who the winner season is. Season one. It's like a legacy game right here. Yeah. All right. Can they be VPs? I mean, they don't. They just be called yeah. victory points. Yes, absolutely. It's, just, it's Ooh, like a proper Euro I need that to, way. I need to log this in my BG stats. Yeah, I want to BG stats this <laughs> right now. <laughs> so the clues can be anything about the game, and uh, they don't have to be straight facts. They can be kind of fun. That's how hopefully this will work since we've never done it. We'll see. We'll okay. see. No, it will be fun. Everybody, we're having fun. <laughs> and and obviously we encourage, uh, it, you know, uh, those who are listening. The Gather your friends around right two, now two and, and name the game. Pause the, po- pause the podcast. Yeah, see if, see right. if you can guess it before before these guys Go can. Go get your boss from the next room. Tell him you're listening to the podcast network. <laughs> Round one. All right. Was that loud? No, it was good. Okay. That was perfect. <laughs> so I feel like I'm in a game show. Clue number one. I, I'm going to do this as if I am the game. I'm uh-huh. obviously. Oh, wow. I am an area control game. Now, everyone gets one guess as to what that is. Now, obviously, this is like, oh you, there's, there's going to be no way you're going to get it now unless you just guess it. <laughs> there's going to be so, no way to get it right I, now. I'm, I'm going to guess your favorite, El Grande. It is not El Grande. Ah, dang. I was going to guess that. <laughs> I'm getting inside your head. Uh, hey, that's awesome. I get, if, he goes, if he goes next. It is not Kemet. Sweet. I was going to guess both of those. Now I don't have to. Um, should we like be writing it down? No, no. I guess this doesn't work. So I, This I is a memory this. game, no, this sir. This is just fun. Um, it's fun. Uh, Inish. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> How many points did I just get? You got five points. I got five oh, points, geez. fellas. Oh, man. Five points. Five points. All right, well. So if we guess in the second round, do we get less points? <laughs> yes. I can't believe He gets five points right there. You broke the game. I broke, broke the game. You broke the game. So the other clues I had, the second one was, I have three goals, two of which are leadership and land. Um, That's Inish. Yep. That's also Inish. Number three, my <laughs> my battles can end before the any attacking begins. Oh. Yeah. So we got to know the rules of these games, fellas. Yeah. Number four was, I have a component called the Flock of Crows. Oh, I got real specific real quick. All right. And then uh, number five, my rule book states... Uh, the Bryn flips the flock of crows token like a coin. The face upside indicates the direction of turn order at the start of the game. It's very so, specific. Well, it's the, the idea is at it gets point, more specific as it goes. At that point, so, he's, he's ah, going to give us a gimme. You guys. It's too bad we know like what's in your game closet. So that's why I picked El Grande. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, the thing is, is you went El Grande. I was like, well, what's the game like El Grande? Because you mentioned it was his favorite. I was like, well, there's another one that's kind of like that. So it would have been Shogun. Okay. It would have been either Shogun, but we just played Shogun recently. So I was like, ah, he's not going to pick that. So, no, but so we need to keep doing this up because we'll get better at giving clues. I'm going to pick a game none guessing. of us have ever played before. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah. Well, there we go. All right. Hey, that, that's or a good the, idea. Or an old game. That I knows. still I enjoyed that, even though we didn't get to round two or three. Um, I yeah, it, it was, it was well. worth it for for the look on your face <laughs> when he said uh, when he said Inish. I was like just like shocked, and I saw your face. You're like, oh my gosh, because uh, you know you say area control games. There's like tons of games we love. We love area control games. Well, when you said that, right? I was like, there's no way I can guess on that just one clue. Because right, that's why I was thinking it was broad enough, but <laughs> it was broad enough. It wasn't, so I no, it was because I because I could have like I said, there's like a multitude of games that. 
Well, congratulations. Hey, you got thanks. Five I got five points. And do I get to be the next? Uh, we're behind. So, yeah, that's the way it works. So the yeah, person who wins gets gotta, to be the, the in, in the next episode, they get to be the clue giver. I'm going to be the next clue giver, fellas. Clue giver. And, and you guys I can get inside your head. You guys are going to lose. And I get zero points for that because you got it on the first guess. That's right. Oh, so the clue giver gets some points. Yeah. Oh, hey, that, that so way you the, can still, you don't get behind when you're the clue so the, giver. So the longer you can, the more questions you can give, the more points you get. You just destroyed everyone else's score. I know. That's how you that's how you play. Logging this on BGG stats <laughs> right now. All right. might jump into our topic of the of the for the main topic for this podcast which is what makes a classic and that's we're gonna kind of leave that open to interpretation we, we can have some discussion about that um even just about what is it you know let's define the term classic but we thought we'd just kind of talk about what makes a classic and and kind of to all four of us and it may be a little different i think uh, this has i think this i think the topic itself has some importance to things like if if a company is trying to advertise their games as like an instant classic or something like that. Yeah. I mean that that's where that's where a conversation like this can um, can kind of go beyond us just kind of nitpicking or defining yeah. things. To um, is that like a really fair statement to say about a game um, that's you know hasn't really been tried and tested and that kind of thing? And yeah. so and and I think we've even used that term like when Scythe was first. Um, coming out, I think we even wanted to really give it those kind of accolades, and I, not not to say that we weren't right to give it accolades. We all still really love that game, but that you know sometimes these terms we throw around and we throw the praise around because we want to express our um, you know enthusiasm for that yeah. game. Um, but at the same time, is that really the right well, the right f- term for it? You know, on this count, this idea had kind of been. Bouncing around in my head for a while. Number one, because we threw it out. Threw it, when we threw it around out and kind of tossed it around as a possible uh, podcast idea a while back, kind of put it on our, li- on our list of, of podcast ideas. I had, I remember thinking kind of along the lines of what you were talking about, is this a term that gets thrown around a lot? I don't think it's always accurately used. And also, we, as a hobby, we're, we're picking up more people into the hobby all the time. I think so What what someone that – maybe got into the hobby this year, right? Looks and thinks is a classic. Is it a classic? Is it not? And not trying to demean what that person thinks, but just kind of thinking back, you know, kind of what metrics could we use and should we use? And also, this is all subjective. Well, yeah, and it's, it, it, but, but yeah. the question is, is this helpful, right? Like, yeah. like if somebody's kind of describing this way or if it's getting categorized in that regard, is it helpful to a person? Because to be honest with you, I don't necessarily think that being a classic might necessarily appeal to everyone. So you know they may want the, the one. one okay, so one, I'll start off with one of my news, rules. So. Okay, uh, what's we, one we're of your talking rules, about yeah. rules. So um, I I kind of classify it into two different genres of classic, um, and it, it determined by age is is kind of my rule. But I think there's such thing as like a modern classic and then like a vintage classic. So because there's there's a point at which in the the board gaming industry there's been a switch in the amount of like greatness of games, I guess you could call it 
where it's just more thinky. It's not as... Um, Wait, define greatness. Are you saying the games are better or there's more produced? I, the the games are better. Like, they're better quality. Okay. There's, okay. There, there's more uh, involved in the game, like strategic and, you know, just rule-wise. Uh, I'm people, tracking with you. Yeah, okay. So, like, the vintage would be something like Monopoly, where everybody knows Monopoly. It's not really a great game, but, I mean, it, you, you can't deny not, the fact... Not by modern standards. No, not by modern, but everybody knows what Monopoly is. I mean, it's, it's a is classic. Is that what makes it a classic, is, is the, the ubiquity of it? I, I guess I'm getting into another rule would be kind of like popularity-ish type things. But, I mean, but that, that's kind of like a general... Everybody knows that game kind yeah. of thing. Like that, I mean, there are others that could be given as examples, but that I would consider that a vintage because it's fairly old. I, I can't remember what is it like. Thirty three. So we can kind of parse is? out that you know some games like say uh, say okay, like your Monopoly or your uh, your Clue, you know the original Clue. Some you know some of those games, uh, you know from from our childhood maybe. Yeah. From the nineties, you know, eighties and, and early nineties. Maybe necessarily are kind of in a category of their own, so they're classics, but not so much for um, for defining the genre is is so much that maybe you know that. Now you could take well that known. a step further, where you have a couple in that age that were ahead of their time, uh, such like Acquire yeah. or um, Cosmic Encounter, like some of those older games that have stood the test of like really stood the test of time. I guess I, I guess like, I need you to. Def- Okay. Define your terms a little bit more because so are we modern, talking about? I know, I know you got modern and I know you got vintage. It seems like that tells us when it is, but what is making it a classic? Is it the popularity? Well, okay. So okay, we discussed like three rules. So mine was age, um, popularity, or notoriety type. Like you know, it's it's one the Spilichars or something like that. And then my third one was like a pioneer in its mechanisms or something of mm-hmm. that sort. Yeah, um, I call that a, a, they set a new standard. Yeah. yeah. And so something like that would be like Kalis that kind of set the tone and worker placement and things like that. So real, real quick, I, I want to, I think we should, I, I realize we're a board game podcast. And so we're speaking to people who um, are in the hobby, you know, in the hobby of board games. But um, should we also delineate between what's a classic uh, for Normal people and uh, and normal or, or, people. Well, for people, all who of are, our who regular are, listeners, you're not normal. Who, but who for are those diverse? of you who happen to just stumble upon our podcast? We will speak your language as well. Like because <laughs> even things like uh, like hilarious. we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even even games like you're talking about, um, uh, Kalis. It's like you know, the a person who's not. In, in the hobby, I'm putting that in air quotes. Is not even going to be aware of that game. So are yeah. we? So is it, I'm not even aware of that game. Um, but, I mean, to, bo- to be honest, I haven't ever actually played it. I, I don't just, know. I know, I of, know it. of it. So yeah. the, I mean, so can we even, you know, separate it out as to like people who are paying attention and in and and really interested in in board games? Like there are games that might be a classic to them. Yeah. Uh, but that the broader audience would have no clue about. And so, but, but there are games that both groups would be aware of. I think you would say it's a classic in the hobby. So people in the hobby, people actively involved so, in, in playing and buying and collecting games. Is it, a, is it a classic to people that are active in the hobby? Well, see, here's here's one of the things that like, I went and looked at, at age and to me, a modern board game is 
10 years or, or more from a modern classic is modern modern classic sorry is oh, wow. a, a 10 years within the last 10 years within i mean like is, is 10 years at, old at least at least 10 years i think 5 is too soon oh at least 10 oh years you're saying old. at least 10 okay. years at least 10 years okay, old good. i didn't include anything that I was, was hoping you were, that's that. what you meant okay, okay. um so Kalis is 51 on BGG it's still in the top 100 i mean to me that defines a classic how old is it it is 05 okay I so, think, that, think that works. Yeah, I, I mean, may, maybe not people. Or it may not be as popular nowadays. Like the n- newer people don't know as much about it. But well, I mean, that that kind of that fits into that genre or that uh, label for me. I hmm. think for me, kind of following up with that because not everyone's going to know about it. But I think, and this for me, definitely, there's a little bit of an age factor. Even a game that's really, really great that's that's a year old. Well, time will tell, right? But I also think like how many print runs or how many – I think you can maybe tie that into age. Like how – was it really popular 10 years ago and then just, you know, not been around? And in Kalis's, um case, I don't think they've had another print run or a new a new edition. But I think it's been tossed around. I, I did not look into print runs. That was, that's something well, I should And that's kind of hard to find because you don't always have those numbers. Or sometimes you don't know how many times it's been printed. But um, I was just kind of thinking about games that – I know that I've had like a second edition, so I'm gonna go for an easy one um, for me, which is Agricola, right? So Agricola, well, I believe it came out 03, but I, I may be wrong. I need to look that up. 07. Um, 07. I'm sorry. So it was after. Yes, that's right. It was after Kalis. It came out 07, but the game's not 12 years old. Um, it's it was incredibly popular. It was um, really high up on on BGG at one point in time. It's 25. And it's 25 now. It's also been reprinted. Uh, now I have the new edition. So. I think we're pretty safe in saying, "Hey, it's a classic." You don't have to like it. I think it's one thing we need to we need to stress in this conversation. We don't actually have you don't necessarily have to like that game so much. It doesn't have to be your cup of tea, but I think you can recognize its status in the hobby is, um, man, that's that's a game that at least has has made its mark on the hobby, right? You can definitely say, and that that was kind of one of my other points was, did it present either something new or refine something in a, in a way? And I think both like Kalis. Kind of is like the you know they say it's like the grandfather of the worker placement games. I think Agricola really affected many many game worker placement games after it. I don't know that to this day maybe you could say that some of the games that are coming out now are are, are deviating from that formula for the for, in a good way and don't necessarily wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily be able to tra- trace that lineage back. But I do think um, it definitely had its mark on the on the hobby. I think for me the the most defining yet least interesting characteristic characteristic of a classic to me is its endurance. Um, it's, it's ability to stay in the minds of people over time, right? Like it's remembered. Well, that's it's kind of the definition about. of classic to begin with. I mean, right. You go look that up. It, it means like notoriety over time. People right. have recognized over a long period of time that mm-hmm. this is a, a kind of a standard setting or, or at least, you know, kind of the upper echelon of right. its kind. So then you have to think about, that's why I said it's the least interesting to me, because you have to think about what put it into that place. And we've talked a lot about uh, uh, the, the things that I think w- would put it in that place, like setting a new standard, like being the pinnacle of a certain kind of design. It's like something that had a profound impression, like on people. I kind of want to go outside of board games a little bit, because um, I was thinking about, you know, what makes a classic book, 
what makes a classic movie, you know, the things like that. And it's really the, those things are the one, like I said, that have, that made a big impact when they were introduced and then subsequently didn't fade with time. That's why I brought up earlier the, like what makes a classic outside of the hobby, what makes a classic inside of it? Because like uh, Monopoly to me, despite its you know, flaws as a game now that we see through yeah. our modern design lens, like that's a classic game. Uh, Clue is a classic game. Like it's a game that entered, you know, society and stayed there. It didn't, it didn't ever leave. It's interesting about that is around the same time Monopoly was doing its thing. Uh, there was a game out that my mom, my mother loved called big business. And if you play it, it plays a lot like Monopoly, but mm-hmm. most people don't know what big business is today. Is. You know, I pl- and, and the only reason why I played it is because we had to go find it. We eBayed it. We played it and I'm like, wow, Cur- I'm playing kind of like silly Monopoly right now. And curious. What was the, publisher do you know who the publisher i had to look I, it's been so, a while so but it's one of the things that you find that i found right looking through some of these were um specific publishers have been pretty good mainstays throughout the years mm-hmm. and back in the day when we're talking about more of the vintage-ish type things you, you find parker brothers milton bradley mm-hmm. those those publishers tend to stick and i mean i think they've been taken over by like hasbro now or something but uh, I mean, Parker Brothers was huge back in the day. Like, you mm-hmm. go look at all the ones that you think of that you grew up in childhood, and I bet you Parker Brothers printed at least one of the versions back in, you know, the 70s or the 50s or whenever it was. So so going along with that, it's like, so you have these games that have stood the test of time. Then you have games that have stood the test of eons, which, you know, you're talking about chess oh, and Go. Yeah. Go, yeah. Like, things like that, that. We don't even know what other games they played before that you know or before kind of our modern we, we know about chess and go <laughs> and big business was by a company called transagram transagram remember them they were they were they're a riot back in oh, their day yeah. yeah yeah anyway so i would say i don't i don't even know if any <laughs> yeah. of our like the kind of the modern explosion of board games like if we have any things that i would say are classics yet like i think we have i think we can look at what's happened and say that's a game that probably will be a, a classic. And I think games like uh, Settlers or Ticket to Ride, things like that that have entered kind of the mainstream conscious, I wouldn't even call them classics yet. I would say that those games have the potential 50 years down the line that we look back and go, hey, you know, that, that game still is standing tall, you know? Um, so, but I realize that, that that's kind of a definition that, do, that doesn't satisfy the hobby aspect of it. Those are the ones um, that I would call like modern classics, right? Like uh, Catan for sure. I mean, it's yeah. it's found a way to break into the the general populace, right? That you know, it's not just the gamers' world anymore. You can find that game everywhere. Some people are starting mm-hmm. to ask if you say, "Well, I'm a board gamer," and, and they're they're unfamiliar with the hobby. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying like Monopoly, people are right. starting to say like Catan, right? Which like that's actually a time of celebration. We're like, yes, come, come and join us. It's you know, I mean, we're excited when yeah. they use that and they kind of connect us with Catan now. Well, I had I had some some family who aren't into the hobby. Some of those regular people. <laughs> oh man, those. who invited me over to play Ticket to, to Ride. Like they were like, hey, we discovered this game. We love it. Come play it with us. So you have those kind of games that have kind of entered kind of that mainstream so, conscious. 
Yes. So, and, and speaking of, again, kind of notoriety in these games that, so one of the things that kind of, I think kicks them off is, is obviously like the Spills Yaras. I mean, it's, it's a huge deal. And some of the games that I wrote down that were winners were games like Dominion mm-hmm. and Carcassonne, mm-hmm. Catan, mm-hmm. El Grande, Ticket to Ride, um, and an old one, Scotland Yard. Woo-hoo. That's, those were all Spills Yaras winners and they have... I mean, you go look at their ranks. They're within the top 100, top 200 games. Uh, Scotland Yard's a little further down. They, I think it's kind of been replaced by a few other games. But, but, I, but I think that um, I think it really helps uh, get the name out there so that it can kind of hit the mainstream. Mm-hmm. Um, well, populace, okay. Yeah. Speaking of, also uh, this year, uh, Wingspan won the spiel, the Kinderspiel, right? And it's a game that got. Uh, re- uh, heavily covered by non-board gaming news uh, outlets. Um, That's right. Like, and uh, so it got really popular by um, people that aren't even, you know, in the hobby. The normal, the people. normal people. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's a game you can't find because it it sells out all the time because people are buying it that wouldn't normally go buy a board game, you know, and. Uh, so I, that's the game you can look at and say, and so now it's won the Kinder Spiel, right? And mm-hmm. so it gets even more notoriety. Um, this is like, it, it's kind of having this moment of, and the question is, is will it last? I would, I would like yeah. to see, you know, 10 years from now. Right. Are we still talking about Wingspan? Right. Yeah. So I didn't really come with a definition and, and, um, and not a great example, but I did want to kind of make an analogy instead of a definition to kind of, because the way I think about this isn't necessarily in defining terms, but more in, in kind of how it is in the, in the public conscience and, and how that kind of, how it affects us culturally, right? Almost like if you're a humanities major and you want to see how art affects a people, or you want to be an anthropologist and you look at what kinds of things can we, you know, learn about these people who did this thing, right? And so I thought about games and, and, and how it is become a kind of its own culture and how we are in our particular frame of, uh, in our culture, in our small little niche of the world and all the people that we connect with worldwide through this wonderful hobby. And I thought it's a lot like, um, this, this idea of a classic is a lot like the way diamonds are formed, right? Mm -hmm. Time is a big piece to that. It's a huge piece of that. But another piece to that is like the pressure, Mm -hmm. right? And so the greater that pressure, the less time it takes for you to have something that is, you know, hard and pure and, and valuable. Right. And, and of course, you alleviate that pressure. You may not ever get a diamond. But so it, something, but it takes, something that hits critical mass quickly. Right. Like, we're t- like wingspan, like we're kind of what we were talking but about. But then, like you said, if, if, if it didn't maintain that, and, that's, and I'm glad you kind of talked about that. You talked about the, the endurance. It's kind of the same idea that I was going with. I just, I just had an analogy to bring instead. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea that it has to be over time, but it has to have that pressure and it has to maintain that pressure. Otherwise you're not going to have that gym and the, you know, that diamond in the rough or that gym, um, that's going to, that's going to be something that's valuable later. Long after it's out of print, people are Mm -hmm. still looking for it and willing to shell out the cash for Mm -hmm. it. Um, and that to me is, is, um, is really, especially, especially when you think about the hobby. Now we are inundated with games. We have more games now than we will ever be able to play. That came out just this year only. 
Yeah. Like we're not, you know, it's, it's a wild number. There's and so and so a lot of times what we're picking up, what most people are picking up are the popular games, but there's so many games out there that we're not even looking at and some of them are probably great games and if we had those games 10 years from now before we had this this inundation of of just products just mm-hmm. in front of us all the time, we would be talking about those as a classic today because yeah. or, or at least at least this is what got me into gaming is playing this you know, kind of dice chucking game or something that that somebody down in Austin had written. You know, but now there's just so much, and Kickstarter's been um, helped us get more games out, and then publishers have been springing up left and right. All these small publishers, and because of that, now I feel like that pressure. When you spread that pressure out, it alleviates. It's going to be harder to find those mm-hmm. classics now. Not just because there's a lot of them, but because people aren't focused on the same game over and over and over for a I long period exactly of time. Right. So it might take more than 10 years now to pick out new classics starting like this year. You know, I think or, games will have a lot harder time. Like we'll have a lot harder time remembering games, you know, 10, 20 years down the line of what, but well also because people are so focused on what new games are out. Yeah. Um, but so the, I mean the cult of the new kind of feeds into that, but, uh, yeah, there's so many. It's like how how is a game gonna like you, to going back to your analogy? How is it gonna maintain that pressure long enough to really become a classic? I think you have a point because uh, this this hobby has become such a collection kind of hobby as opposed to a playing hobby for a lot of people. Yeah, that you you get the new game, you play it once or twice, then you get the next new game, you play it once or twice. There's no more of like you said playing a game over and over and over again. I think that is probably makes a huge difference in how well a game is received and how much people talk about it, and it, it just gets played around the circle. Well, I think that's why gateway games are going to continue to thrive because we'll always be getting new people into the hobby, and, we'll all, and those games will get the replay. And um, we are going to see Ticket to Ride yeah. continue to do well for a long time. I, mm-hmm. I think Ticket to Ride will eventually, if it's not something that you would consider a classic now, I think Ticket to Ride, we will see... We will see Ticket Ride continue to be published 10, 20 years from now. I believe it's probably the game that has the closest chance to being like the new Monopoly, essentially. You can introduce people that don't aren't really into games into it. The concepts are pretty simple. It doesn't actually have anything that that deep in it, but it's it's also fun. It's colorful. I mean, it's got, you know, you, you, know, you kind of go down the checklist and it's got everything, right? Well, I'm and, at a church group the other night and... I'm not introducing games to anybody, and that's a game that's at the table. Like, and I didn't teach it right, to them, right? You know, and yeah. so I was like, "Wow, you know, I'm glad you guys are playing some hobby games." I will know? say the flip side of so many games coming out, it is sometimes it's fun because there's a lot of little gems in there that you, that you won't find, but that if you're only looking at the popular games, you won't find. And I've actually gotten a lot of enjoyment lately from doing that. But the flip, the other, the other thing about that is the games that. In the in the face of of so much competition that actually stick out and stand people's memory and 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 continue to get those print runs, are going to be better for it. it I believe now it's definitely it's definitely made gaming better. Is what is I think yeah. is what you're kind of saying. Yeah. As a whole, things are getting better because of the competition. What it took because yeah. of the because we have to constantly do better than the other guy. What right? it took to get to the top of the pack twenty years ago. Pretty, isn't going to cut it. Right. Right. What right. it took to get to the top of the pack 30 years ago isn't going to cut it. So 
They're being there's examined that. from every different angle now. Yeah. You know? So, so the rising tide, you know, the, the tide is it's risen, crazy. you know, the bar is risen. Yeah. Where? Now we got podcasts. You know, we do? Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah, a podcast? Just, see people just talk about this for mm-hmm. hours. It's insane. Yeah. We actually put this out. You know, we, I told you we just recorded ourselves talking about beer and <gasps> board games, but this actually goes online at some point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but, but no, I mean, I, so I, I, I think, yeah, that's part of the discussion is so maybe, maybe, maybe we, we say, we really can't judge any classics of this modern gaming era yet. We can kind of point to a few that might become some, but I do think maybe that's part of the conversation is will that, what will it take to become one? And I think the, the bar has been risen uh, vastly, you know, Man, greatly. Think, think about like, so, I mean, take Monopoly. It's a game that families like it, it at the point in time when it came out, families started, we're, we're having more, leisure time to hang around the table with each other and so it's a game that just kind of came out and came out and came out and came out because there wasn't i mean i'm sure there were other games then but trivial pursuit well yeah nobody okay. wants to play trivial like, pursuit. we're not gonna call that a game what games are gonna, my buddy mark it's mark activity. i love you you're listening but what, games, you are gonna, what games are going to come out now like that that frequently with people in order for it to stay in their minds yeah. you know because there's so many it's like and we're uh, especially those of us you know, in the hobby, we're, we're, we're seeking out the new games constantly and, and a new game may, might get played twice and then sit on the shelf, you know? Hmm. I didn't think about it from that perspective. Like, like can, is, is a game going to get, and that's, that's why some of those gateway games are going to, I think, end up floating to that classic levels because they're the games that are going to get played so much. They're the games that are going to be talked about. Like you said, when, when someone says, Oh, I play board games. Oh, like, like ticket to ride or like, or like settlers or, you know, Catan. I'm well, perhaps, sorry. Perhaps for a game to, to become a classic, it has to be more accessible. I mean, that, that's that's definitely a component of it. I mean, like we just said, Ticket to Ride, King of Tokyo maybe, okay? And King of Tokyo's been around a little while. I think it's got legs. You could probably, I mean, will, will our will our children be buying um, versions of King of Tokyo for their for their children someday? You very know, well. It could very well be I was just thinking a about mainstay that. on Target Right shows. before you said it, I was just thinking about it. Like our kids are going to get together and like, hey, you guys want to play a classic? And then they like, and then they like, you know, pull out Madeira or something or something that, you know, we just like talked about. It's like, it's like Soundgarden, you know, and you're like, Hey, you listen to Soundgarden. Oh, you mean that one that was on the classic radio? Wait, hang on. That's Soundgarden. So what are you so talking about? Real quick. I want to make sure we delineate between there. Cause what, what I kind of put forward was that, you know, for, for it to become a classic, it had to be within the broader knowledge of people. And I, I really think there is value in discussing what's inside the you know it's what's inside yeah. the hobby too so so like to sean's point i, I mean you can say that the, like that the ticket to ride is a modern classic or el grande is a modern classic those are games that people inside the hobby know about talk about keep playing keep coming back to i was gonna say chess chess i'll be honest with you like I, i'm not even being funny about that like when i was thinking about like the diamond and the time and the pressure there are people who's there's so much money spent on chess every year. It's ridiculous. There's people whose entire lives revolve around it. And I get excited when I find out they play board games. And then I find out the only game they want to play is chess. And I'm like, well, that's cool, but I'll probably lose. And so and I, I wish you'd get into more stuff, that, but that's cool. Like, And I still play chess. I still play chess. I play chess with my mm-hmm. kids. But uh, it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't, I don't have the lifestyle around it, but but at the same time, you can't deny whether you love two-player games or you love abstract games. That game has been around longer than Monopoly, I think, and it's awesome. I think if you... Okay, now this is obviously talking about 
in a thousand years, what's you know, I think People it's going to be abstract. Be I think it's going to be abs- like if there's a game from now that people are still playing, then it's going to be an abstract game because the, the themes don't necessarily translate, but an abstract game doesn't rely on that. So mm-hmm. it can, well, it's, it's like go. I mean, what was it? 2200 BC or right. something like that. I mean, like ridiculously, I mean, obviously we're people are still playing go way out yes. here, but that's a classic. That's still a fun thing to think about is, is there there's a game? Just, there's only, there's only two classes. Is, is, there a a playing, <laughs> yeah, it, is there a game we're playing now? And the chances of this are very, are highly unlikely, but is there a game we're playing now? That you know, in the amount of time it's taken, you know, since chess was invented, or ca- or came about, you know, from now, like what what game what game will be, I still will think that's like one of the first miniatures game, or will it still be chess and go? Probably still be chess and go. Man, I still honest. need to paint all my chess pieces. <laughs> Never so, gonna get those painted. So you you said something interesting that I that <laughs> I wish I had I had some numbers to. I, I was trying to look and couldn't really find anything. But you said a lot of people spend money on chess. That was one thing I wanted to look at was um, just like sales and and what. Well, I'm talking games about like the competition. Like, like I have a friend here in town who flies, who's fl- or has flown to the world championship, bought the ticket, hung out in the lounge all day just to watch two people in the next room that he's not even in that room so, with play chess. And I'm like, you're not even playing chess. You're you're like you you've invested this much because you love the game so much and you love the culture around it so much because it's a culture at this point. It's not just a game um, that, well, there are a lot of that, games like that that are in the, the modern era. I mean, we have Warhammer and magic the gathering. That's true. That, uh, people like, I mean, even like smash when you think of like you transcend like board games and just how people spend, how our culture is being defined by wow, games. I didn't you think know? about that. Yeah. So I didn't think about that either. Like magic the gathering. People will watch other people play that. Mm-hmm. You spend like, thousands of dollars and they have, so is magic world, the gathering a classic? Is, is that is that 97, a valid? Ninety-seven, I think. Is if it's not, it's going to be, right? Uh, I mean, it's I mean, definitely I, one that is that is is standing the test of time. It's, and it's continuing still ranked to grow its audience. It's still so, ranked one fifty-one on BGG. Would you say within share. its? I, I think this is. Would you say within its uh, in, in its classification category, it is the it's the kind of the defining. Oh, game. if if you're thinking yeah. trading card game, it is the game. Okay. Like I mean. It set I didn't the know if tone. there was. Well, I didn't know if there was like any competition. I'm not since I don't play. Not I don't know if there's really. like anything coming up behind it that that has ever kind of given it any, some competition. Any games that have tried end up failing. I mean, nobody has stood the time like Magic has. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, well, I mean, it it in itself kind of carries many many game stores. I mean, like that is one of their primary sources of income. And so I have a question for you guys. Um, how would you classify, and, and we may not be qualified, us at this table, to talk about this, but it is a gaming-related topic, so I'm curious. How would you qualify editions of games? Uh, for example, we can't deny Dungeons & Dragons is a classic role-play game. Yeah. Can't deny it. I mean, I'm just going to put it out there. Of, of but the fact Mark. that we're not playing first or second edition now, or, I mean, sure, some people do, and now you're playing the classics, but if you're playing what's being put out right now, are you still playing a classic? Yes, I would say yes. I would say you are. I mean, it's it's that was too easy. It's kind of. <laughs> but uh, I was like going to come up with something uh, like parent, like oh, let's philosophize. No, I mean, I I think there's people who would who would still say, oh, I, I love second edition because so the D because the D and D um, aficionados, right? They yeah. they say, well, this is what I want to play, and they're very specific about yeah. it now. 
none of us really are that as much think, into it, so maybe we can't talk well, to it. But I was I, I was into it. I, in I need to call Rick Perez and see if he can. Tell so us. I was into it in high school quite a bit, um, and like the one I always think of. I know they have newer editions, but like I always wanted, I would want to play third edition because it was what I was familiar with. Yeah, uh, I could see people being that way if they grew up with first. That, I mean, obviously they've corrected things. I mean, modernized it, sure, but you know, throwback. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like it's the kind of game that. It, it's not really as much as the mechanisms uh, are a big part of the game. It's more dependent on uh, what's like what's happening in in the game. Like in terms of, you're still telling stories, whether you're playing first edition or fourth edition or third edition or whatever edition, right? Um, it does like the mechanics obviously impact the game, but they don't fundamentally change what you're trying to do. But right. but then like games like Palladium, like other systems like Palladium systems and stuff, I don't know that we can. Well, I don't know. There might be people out there that disagree with me, but I don't know that we can put them on the same classic level because they haven't stood the same test of time as mm-hmm. something like Dungeons and Dragons. But when you think about it, even or like the Middle Earth role play game yeah. or the the Star Wars Second Edition, right? Um, these games don't have the same um, traction that D and D has. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also are storytelling games. I mean, they're all like the, like the other ga- CCGs that came up behind Magic trying to do the same thing. Uh, and that's kind of the reason why I asked was, um, and, and, and the reason why I threw out the caveat that we may not be the group to talk about it because obviously none of us role play that deep on that level, but that um, would an addition, especially if it has significant changes within the mechanics or within the, the actual gameplay itself, would that kind of restart the the time clock on whether or not we can consider this particular thing a classic i i would still say no unless it it fundamentally altered some of the base mechanics of that game Uh, because i i see like that new edition is it just basically being refined a little bit maybe updated a little bit or or, but as long as like it's like proper brian said the heart of the game is still the same right you still got a gm um running a game for a bunch of players and there's some um, mechanics that are roughly based on the kind of same same as they used to be right i mean it's, it's been refined it's it's been streamlined a little bit but the the same basic idea so you haven't you haven't changed the guts of the game right you've changed how some things work and maybe made some things a little easier to do on the fly but you you know less charts to look at or, or whatnot but you haven't the heart of the game is still you know the 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 GM and, and and the players interacting and telling a story collaboratively, and I mean I would say that yes it's still that same thing. So most of it's been refinements to get out of the way of the collaborative storytelling, right? Yeah, like, I honestly so, don't know. I believe so. But like fifth edition, I've looked. At, I have a little starter set. We looked at it. I, I, I never do, played any edition. I will before say. That. I will say from what I understand, the the editions tend to speak to that generation or that that current audience a little bit clearer or a little bit better which makes sense i mean you want to keep this you want to keep this baby alive you write it not for the people who played it 5 years ago 10 years ago but you you're trying to pull in new players or new families or new game groups well, you know let's look at this okay so so dungeons and dragons has kind of entered that entered the cultural like um Consciousness. Consciousness, oh, okay. Yeah. Big time. J- just very much, and even more so, like it, it was kind of 
kind of took a little downturn, I think, at one point. Now and it's kind of Big swung Bang back. Theory kind of yeah. gave us so, the, so, stranger so, thing. So much, yeah, the, so much like yeah. so much like Monopoly, right? So just the fact that it's that people, you know, society at large, you know, not 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 a little niche hobby. The fact that it's 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 gone past that, its influence goes past the hobby, um, past even people who are who are even interested in playing it. You have people that don't even want to ever play the game but know what it is, right? Yeah, that's true. And so and then you look at like say Monopoly. Okay, Monopoly, how many editions and how many versions and and, and different themes have you put on Monopoly? And they're just doing that to keep the game, you know, maybe maybe the twenty uh, somethings don't really care for the original rules, but they like the you build it or the whatever, the you know. The credit card. Yeah, the credit yeah. card one. So you look at Monopoly, I mean Monopoly's continuously Iterated and that's often good, it's good really, really really crappy, right? But the 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 end result is that monopolies manage to stay in that cultural that's consciousness. True. I get that, yeah. So I, I kind of comparing it to Monopoly, I can kind of see how how the addition maybe not so matter so much as far as yeah. I mean, I'm with you. Ultimately, you answer you, the question. Yeah. Okay, yeah, well, that's go. good. That was good. I was just going to comment on the fact that we had just talked about magic and then you bring up Dungeons and Dragons, which are both Wizard of the Coast. Apparently, Grit had a, a really good model, apparently, as to staying yeah. power. Good job, yeah. guys. <laughs> well, I mean, job. They, they also are marketing wizards. I mean, like the way they run magic. They're marketing wizards of the coast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, But the way, the way they, they run and the way they treat that IP, I mean, they... They can probably still keep milking magic for another decade or two, you know, and the way they're doing it, you know. So I've got a question for y'all, and maybe we can, this can help us wrap it up. But so what is a game uh, that you, I'm trying to think how to ask this. Um, What's a game you wish would become a classic? Like that you. Oh, man. Like right now, like a game that's like, like a game you can think of that you're, and it, it can it, it can be something that you know never would, or something that you're like, oh, that could if it just got uh, the right. I'd like to see big business have a second try at being a classic. <laughs> oh, Tran- Transagram games, publish hey, pub people games. We can call us we can up, print man. It, man. We could we could probably buy the IP for like five bucks at this point. <laughs> go at it, man. Unless we get sued into oblivion by Monopoly if it's yeah. too similar. No, know. maybe Batman animal animal upon animal. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see that become a modern classic. I'd like to see that become a modern classic. I, I know you're asking a serious question. I don't, I don't have a good one. Why don't we start with Shuck? Uh, well, I would obviously want to say my favorite game, which would be Deus. I think it would be fantastic mm. if that one would have staying power. But I think a, a simpler game that could have potential that's a really good game is Century or slash Century Golem. I think could be one that could have a little bit of... I mean, it's a simple enough game. Uh, it has enough um, expansions and and variants to it. Uh, if someone that wants to go heavier into the the game wants to go in that. But, I mean, even just the base game is a, a really solid, simple game. I would love to see that one. Either one of those. Golem's better, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if I had to say a game that I think just because I've experienced how how this game plays with people that are kind of non gamers, it's, it's the rules are pretty simple, um, and it's an economic game, and it does things that games like uh, Monopoly just wish they could. I guess uh, the estates. I feel like 
if the estates could get number one, I, I wish Capstone could keep publishing it and, and just make gobs of money off of it because they're a good company. But let's just say, you know, it in a version of the estates, even if it were a little bit um, slimmed down, although the game's pretty pretty easy as it is, uh, could get picked up by a big publisher and just put on all the bookstore in all the bookstores and all the targets and WalMarts of the world. Yeah, I think the estates, man, that's a fun game, you know. So I think for me, and this you could, um, I'm going to mention two. Um, first one is one you could probably argue is inside the hobby a classic, and that's Carcassonne. If I could push that out into the mainstream and for it to last a long, 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 long time, and for it to be a game that uh, when when someone just says, "Hey, you want to come over for a game?" and that's the game they get out. Um, I think uh, that that's the uh, that's my one. The other one I want to mention just because I, I said something about the abstracts earlier and how I think that you know in a thousand years if a game from today is going to be a classic, it's going to be an abstract game. I'd, I'd vote for Tack. Hey, here, here. Tack's good. No, Azul. Azul could be something that could kind of like I could see Azul being, um, you know, I could see Azul being in Walmart, right? You know, I oh mean, sure. Uh, maybe. Maybe even like a cheaper version with with the tiles, not such good quality tiles. Although I want, the, I love the I love the feel of the tiles and, and the way it is. But you know, hey, if if you gotta if you gotta kind of make it a little cheaper to get to that twenty five dollar price tag, you know, I mean, it's something you could I could see, and that's more that's more abstract game, and so therefore you go. I think it's a little easier to achieve that that classic status. So I'm going through my my list here of games because I didn't I didn't truthfully answer your question. So. Are we talking about a game that we think could actually do it, or are we actually living in a world where we can just pick any game, and wish it would just become a classic? Either way, it can be one. It can be one that you can actually yeah. see a path towards it, or one that you just wish would. I would love for No Looky No Peaky to become a classic <laughs> and be in everybody's everybody's home, played with all their families, and it kind of is a classical classical game. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's one that Shuck and I. Uh, kind of re-modernized and rewrote, and it's on drive through cards. Shameless plug. Go, go to our website. Go to our website. Check out No Looky No Peaky. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it already has the classical tones. Like it's kind of a Polish poker golf style game. It was taught to me by my grandpa, and he learned it from some ancient Chinese master or something. I don't know. <laughs> and then Chuck and I got our hands on it and studied the kung fu and and updated it. And I think it could be a classic if it would just if people would please play it. Please, okay. <laughs> I have uh, I have two two more I just thought of. Um, one on the ticket to ride type esque train game. No, uh, Royals. No ticket I to think. ride train. Oh, t- train. Not no, train. Train of train of thought. No. But train of the uh, the same kind of weight of play. I think Royals could actually be a fairly decent um, game that could. I, the problem is I don't think it's just taken off at all. Uh, it, but it's a really good game. Uh, and then the other one, you know, one. One company we haven't talked about Great Western is, Trail. That was you is say? Uh, no, that game's terrible. So, <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, hit below the belt. Uh, <laughs> it's not terrible. It's just not great. Um, the Hanabi. So, so, oh my gosh. <laughs> we're just gonna we're going there, aren't we? No. Oh, so a, a company we haven't talked about is uh, that's actually taking older games and making them better as restoration games. I think Downforce is a game that could actually have some staying power if people would kind of get on board i mean a lot of people kind of like it come on people it's got it's a good racing game and there's really not much of a racing game genre in that kind of general populace type 
you know, that the people are looking for. I mm-hmm. think it, I think it could be a really good one. And it's very simple. Every time I play it, people want to play it again immediately. Um, and that one might have one of the, the best chances of the games that I like. You know, if we're just talking games that we wish could be classic. That's right. You can pick any game you pick want. Any game. Game. any game. I want to. I want to be like a grandfather. Like you know, just imagine me like you know with a cane walking my grand grandson through the, through, you know, uh, Target and look, Blood Bowl team manager. <laughs> <laughs> I played that when I was in my thirties. Let's get the new edition. You know, I mean, because come on, I mean, look, Crush Face. That's he's right. still gonna be cool. In this 40 is when years. this is after Disney you know, bought both. Um, the the fantasy flight games and um, what is it the the games workshop and yeah. they, they brought them back together and we we finally got to see <laughs> Morgan <them>. Thor <laughs> yeah. yeah oh Morgan Thor I want Crush Face Long Bomb Silver the Death Roller I mean I want all these dudes out you know so um, you know there's a game that'll be a classic in the Rhodes household at least I mean I'm gonna like duct tape my box together when I have to you know and like pass it on to like Atticus you know like one day when he has kids like. Son, I'll give you this game, you know. It's going to be in my will. But, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's, you know, like the whole the whole rest of the collection can go somewhere else. But, you yeah. know, like Atticus will get this, you know, Blood Bowl. Sure. Um, and so just come listen to listen to this conversation talk about games we wish were classics. You know, because we have so many games in the hobby, I mean, there are some really great games that will never get quite the recognition. Whereas if, if we had... If if they were given more time to to shine, I think they would they they could become classics, you know. So um, yeah, man, right now is what a heck of a time to be a gamer. I mean, That's right. We've got all these games that could one day. I mean, you got games like you were talking about Wingspan. We are in the golden, your, your the size, renaissance golden you know, age your, your, of gaming. This is the best time to be. You a know, gamer. Um, I mean, some of the you know, I, I hope one day. I hope I'm still playing Lacerda games in twenty years. You know, I mean. That kind of thing. Like I, I, I look at the games where we we've got. And I'm like, there are some really good games, and so I hope some of these are considered classics. You know, I hope Deus gets a is on a fourth printing or fourth edition at some point. I mean, that's a good game. You know, will it will it do that? Will it not? I don't know, but it'll always be a classic in our in our group. But you know, I mean, you've got you've got games like that, like of, of that quality. You know, I mean, the games that don't make it nowadays are better than some of the games that were successful 20 years ago. You know, I mean, definitely. You know, so a game can be amazing. Only last, only get one print run. You know, it's way better than anything I played as a child. You know, so I mean, that this this has been an interesting conversation. Definitely talking about. Uh, you guys kind of opened my eyes. Some I always enjoy appreciate your input because you guys have some different ways of viewing this, and um, now I kind of think about classic games a little differently now. Well, with that, I guess you guys uh, let's let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. As always, guys, man. We enjoy uh, we enjoy getting together, having a couple of brews. I, I will say, fifteen fifty four. It could be a classic beer one day. I think it could be. It could be. It's a classic in my household. <laughs> so, so uh, it is good. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Um, so, New Belgium, if you want to sponsor, that's right. <laughs> email us at pubmeeple at gmail I mean, seriously, we buy enough of your beer. <laughs> at this point, that's true. At this point, it's time to give back. <laughs> so, so look for, look for more of our content at uh, www.pubmeeple.com um we're also on instagram at pubmeeple we're on youtube youtube.com slash pubmeeple so i've had two beers tonight right. is, i'm not that i'm not that much of a lightweight but you know it's all good and uh yeah and look for some more stuff we've got some content 
potentially coming out for the BGRE. Uh, you might see some cool stuff from us in 2019. By the way, all, all of you have been emailing us about the BGRE. We really appreciate um, your feedback. That has been really helpful. So if you if you email us, you usually get a response, and and that is a helpful thing, uh, particularly with the ranking engines. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Um, have a good night. Morgan Thor. Ha, ha, ha.